Welcome to the Finding the Magic podcast, where books come alive. I'm Tricia Copeland, a fiction author and host of this show. If you love books, finding great reads, and hearing about the story behind the story directly from the authors, this is the place for you. Whether you like fantasy, science fiction, dystopian, or romance titles, I think you'll find something to love in my playlist. Listen in to discover something magical about a book or two today. Welcome, Catherine. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing well. It's kind of nice. It's already near that holiday season, at least for me. (laughs) Right. I'm sorry. I almost talked over you. So excited about the holiday season. Is that what you said? Yes, I am. Nice. Yes, we are having some oddly warm weather here in Colorado, so it feels a little off. I'm not going to poo-poo it, but it feels a little off to have um, no snow and warm weather. So I, I can understand that. I recently moved uh, uh, out of New Orleans, and it was always warm, and so now I'm actually getting winter weather here in kind of North Georgia, so a oh, okay. Well. Hot. Oh, okay. Well, I grew up in South Georgia and we didn't have much cold weather there, but in North Georgia, you have more seasons. So that's, yes. that's good. I'm so jealous you lived in New Orleans. I, that is the city I want to visit so badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everybody should uh, at least visit it once, you know, and take some time to explore, obviously, the, you know, the classical aspects of like the quarter area, but the other areas in New Orleans as well, because that's when you get the real music and the real kind of vibes of the community. But it's a fun place. Right. Yes, I am a super fan of the originals. So just probably I will spend all my time going between the different cemeteries, I would say. <laughs> Have you watched that show? Oh, we got frozen. Uh-oh. Are you back? Yes. Sorry, I saw that glitch. That's okay. I was like, wait, she's frozen. <laughs> yeah, I see a little thing. It says my internet may be the one glitching today. So I apologize if I come in and out. <laughs> oh, that's okay. If we need to, we can shut off the video and just have audio. So that will work. Sometimes that helps, but we'll go there if we have to. So I am excited to hear all about your books. I love fantasy and mythology. So we can just jump right in. Um, you have three series. Yes. Do you want to start? Which one do you want to start with? Well, I guess I'll start with the first one I wrote. Uh, My debut series is called The Incarn Saga, and that's a four book new adult series, and it pertains to a kingdom on the verge of war and both the human race that are the ruling populace and a race of shapeshifters known as Therimorphs, who have already begrudgingly coexisted for years, have to try to find a way to push aside their differences and fend off this uh, oncoming threat. So that's kind of the start off of that series, but four books, it's earned some accreditation throughout the years. And it was just a fun one to uh, get me into writing. (laughs) Very cool. And so the humans know about the shapeshifters is what you're telling me, right? Yes, yes. But they're like a subculture or sub-society. Yeah, it is. I kind of was kind of gearing it toward the concept of though by law they're supposed to be equal the humans and shifters obviously live almost different separate communities there's a big pressure for the shifters to um, dress like the humans take on the humans uh, religion and kind of disappear from their original culture so uh, it's kind of already lots of tension there to begin with before this third party comes from across the ocean 
Interesting. So can your shifters shift into anything they want to, or are they based on bloodline or how does that work? I have them. They are born with the ability to change into one animal form. That animal ties into their core personality traits, as well as some physical descriptors. For instance, I have a young character um, at the start of the book. Everybody's drafted and each uh, household has to send one person. If the person has theramorph blood, the, the contender, I mean, the recruit has to be a theramorph. And so, for instance, one of the people who ended up being the draft just because the way the rule was written was this 11 year old boy. And he has, you know, the roundish cheeks. He likes to talk a lot. He has the big buck teeth, freckles, ruddy hair, and he turns into a red squirrel. So you see this like little chatterbox. And again, it kind of goes with both the physical characteristics and the personality traits. My main character, which you kind of follow this whole epic through her eyes, she is a theramorph who can transform into a white tigress, which is very atypical because even though they don't understand genetics, typically uh, females have more milder forms while males probably to testosterone have a little more volatile forms there, you know, the sweeping uh, werewolf, not werewolves, but the wolf shifters and bears and everything like that. So having a female who has a tigress is already a little odd in among itself, but she has platinum blonde hair, strikingly green eyes, and she's very athletic and has a little fiery temperament. So it kind of works with her tigress form. Very cool. And it's, is it a first person book? Is it told through her eyes or is it a third person? It's third person, but you really only follow her. So again, you're limited to more or less what she knows for the most part. Neat. That sounds amazing. And four books, the Incarn Saga. And do you have a, is this, so I did get a chance to ask some questions beforehand. So you said this was influenced by a dream. Can you say yes. more about that? <laughs> yes. Um, it kind of stemmed from like this dream I had when I was 17. So that's kind of when I based my character's age was 17. Cause that's when I conceived of her myself, but it was just a very impactful dream for whatever reason where, you know, I transformed running from someone through a military camp and I escaped by transforming into a tiger, a little white tiger who swims off. And, and it was just interesting being like, one, I love animals and fantasy and mythology. So the shifter concept was interesting, but then I was trying to place why was this shifter in a military compound? Why was she running from this general? What was going on? And then couldn't get it out of my head. And eventually the book series started taking place and formatting itself. That is very cool. I have never had a cool dream where usually I'm just running away and I'm continuing to run away and the bad guys don't get any closer, but I never get any further away. Either. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard. It's hard to escape the villains in your dreams, but every so often you get a win. <laughs> <laughs> so that's very cool. So tell me about your two other series. Okay, well, right now I'm publishing two simultaneously, which has been very crazy this year. It was a maybe a bit off more than I can chew, but so far so good. Uh, my one of the series I'm publishing currently is a young adult series uh, called The Jed Chronicles, and it's adventure fantasy, big sweeping storyline. It's set in this multiverse where there are twelve magical planets. And the concept is all existence has to last within this 
limited balance. And if the balance is shifts too far one way or the other, existence ceases to be. And so all life will end essentially. And so at one of these points in history where the balance is at risk, um, these prophesied heroes will show up and kind of help, supposed to help maintain the balance and not threaten it. And there are certain characteristics each of them have, certain tests they must be proven to pass in order to like just verify, yes, this is the next Jed, which is the name of the prophesied hero. So the book series kicks off with um, this 13 year old girl from Earth and she awakens, doesn't know how she arrived there on a planet, not on Earth. Now Earth is oblivious to all this stuff. So she has no idea what's going on. She's early uh, approached and because the next Jed was supposed to be predicted to be a child of Earth, She's now suspected to be this next Jed and sent on all these trials to prove if she is this oncoming hero. Of course, if she is this next hero, then that means this great war, this big threat is around the corner and it goes on from there. That's a very cool premise. I really like that. I have a urban fantasy series called The Kingdom Journals and there's a, I guess, a legend or a myth in that where every 100 years, these three witches are born that can save the witches from the curse. And they have to find each, find each other, discover who they are, and break the curse in order to stop this horrible, I guess it's the horrible curse, I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple of times. But um, so the witch souls are banned to purgatory when they, when witches die, they're kept in purgatory forever. And breaking this curse releases them from that. So that oh. kind of reminds me of that a little bit as well. So I'm guessing she has no choice in any of this either, like to be yeah, um, test. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately it's one of those, there's one way ticket and now she has to either prove herself and if she's disproven, it probably means that she did not survive. So she kind of is forced to go through this battery of tests. And then from there, the series goes on. But it's been a lot of fun because, again, I like building worlds. And so now I have a multiverse pulled from um, all different fantasies. So almost each world has its own mythos I pull from. One's a twist on the concept of witches, wizards, mages, sorcerers. You know, I have one that based on um, Celtic lore, another that's more Greco-Roman. But so, uh, you know, going around through these different worlds throughout the series, readers get to experience mythology from all over. And that's been kind of fun to pull together. Very cool. And do you have a number of books planned for that series? Are there 12, that one, there 12 planets or? <laughs> well, that one, um, there's gonna eventually either be eight or nine. It just depends on how they break. But for the most part, I actually, the second one is going to release December 10th. And um, I've already written, well, I'm halfway through the fourth book I'm writing for that one. But like I said, it should be about eight to nine, depending on how they split up near the end. And um, talking about how books kind of, how the origin comes to be, that one was kind of fun because uh, my sister and I, when we were younger, we would have all these imaginary play games out, you know, playing in the countryside and running around and, uh, my parents were very adamant about not watching TV and just go outside kind of thing. So we started manifesting our alter egos and creating all these worlds. And so ever since I was little, I wanted to capture that concept, put it in a book to share with others. So the main character is actually named Katie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Katie because she was my alter ego as a child. And the only other one that's based off anything is Lucy based off my sister's alter ego. And she's in there as a homeschooled witch. Oh, very cool. So we were both homeschooled when we were growing up. So I get okay. needed to plug that in there somewhere. Right. And did you let your sister choose her character? I guess this was her alter ego when you were growing up. So. <laughs> well, kind of sort of, like I said, I based, based it off of her from what I remember and my perspective of looking back to, you know, our childhood. But I, I, I talked to her the other day. I was like, have you read the first book yet? She's like, it's on my list. It's coming up there. And I was like, please let me know what you think of what I did to you. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have to get her permission? She needs to read it before anyone else, right? She, she gave me the okay to like write the series, but you know, I am taking a little liberty to tweak her character and, uh, but either way, it should be fun to see what she thinks. <laughs> Or maybe well, a little terrifying. I don't know. Yeah. And if she's being a slow reader, that's on her, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. By this point, the second book's already out. I'm, you're dedicated. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Read my book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then, um, oh yeah. So talking about that. And meanwhile, while I'm doing that larger project and those are my full length series, the third series that I'm working on is for adults and they're novellas. So it's been kind of a fun challenge to because I like meaty books. So I write a lot of words for my full lengths, but challenge myself to write now these novellas. So these shorter little stories, essentially. And that series is called The Guardian Speaker and it's based off of Nordic mythology. So readers are gonna be fully immersed in Yggdrasil, the world tree, the nine realms from Midgard to Asgard. And I wanted to focus on Nordic lore that was less common. So you don't really see the Odin or the Thor or the Loki until maybe near the very, very end of the series. But what I wanted to focus on is the concept of Fugir, which is essentially what the uh, Nordic people during the Viking era believed as their animal guardian spirits. So kind of instead of a guardian angel, very Christian, they had these animals that would kind of watch and protect and based on who your, again, core personality is would depend on what your animal was. And so my main character in that one, Leif Lothbrand's daughter, um, she has the ability to see and communicate with everyone's guardian spirit, which, you know, to everybody else, they're invisible to the eye. And that's given her some interesting characteristics, but also kind of damaged her socially because people think she's crazy because she talks to herself they can't see what she sees. And so she's kind of been ostracized by her community and she's the first main character that I've written. That's not a warrior woman archetype. She's a lot more mild, a lot more quiet, doesn't want to get an adventure, doesn't want to be pulled into this uh, epic. And at the beginning of that series, she bumps into another person who has a similar ability, but along with that, he comes in with warnings saying humanity, is about to get hit with this plague and only I have the capability through my ability to potentially stop it. Of course, he's brought in as a slave and he's not hers, so it gets kicked off. Should she free him? Can she believe him? And kicks off from there. Oh, that sounds really exciting. And how are you publishing those if they're novellas? Yeah, so right now they're only in eBooks. I have four out right now and then I'll release another four to five next year but uh, they were meant to be kind of a rapidly release again because they're short, quick, and uh, hopefully a lot of fun. 
but they're ebook right now. And then I'm going to start bundling in print version, maybe sets of four next year. So you can see maybe the first set of four for people who are like myself and like physical copies, because unfortunately I don't like reading ebooks. <laughs> I like the print, but everybody has their own preference. Right. Yeah, no, I would rather hold a book in my hand as well, but my husband is limited to my shelf. So now I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm buying ebooks and audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that bookshelf crisis. I keep getting more shelves and running out of room. As soon as I get more, it's like, I need to fill it. And then I fill it and I still want to add more. <laughs> I was just redoing my shelves this weekend. So yeah, it was bad. I had to go to St. Charles. Oh, or second in Charles, I guess St. Charles, second in Charles, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, that yeah. sounds super cool, and it sounds like you've done tons of research for your books. Yes, <laughs> each of them have their own, like, uh, aspects that I would go in and kind of delve into. The first one, my first series, um, since it's just very loosely based off the concept of the word, I kind of based around the word theramorph, which is a generic word for any shape-shifting entities so technically by definition vampires werewolves all that stuff could be a fairy morph but in my series i just wanted that to be a name for animal shifter but going into these new series that i'm working now yes i have talking about bookshelves a whole bookshelf just dedicated to old mythological source material uh, from all around the world i have a whole a couple lines that are just on nordic mythology and history books about people during the Viking era, because I do like to really immerse people in uh, the cultures that were around and created that mythology too. That's super interesting. I am going to have to pick up your book because I think I would love <laughs> all of those series. I hope so. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. What do you love most about being an author? We may have answered those questions a little bit, but. Uh, okay, what do I like most about being an author? Well, I mean, for me, it's, I just, again, enjoy telling stories, but I've realized I'm not a good at creating a story off the cuff. You know, there are some people who are great at telling, you know, stories around the campfire, coming up with these kind of ghost stories or, you know, these epic fantasies they can tell to children as they're, you know, laying in bed and, you know, to give them their good night story. But for me, I like to tweak and edit and change. So I, I enjoy the fact that I can share with people my love of mythology, share with people my love of these strong women characters, and also kind of take the time to shape the books the way I want to do it. <laughs> So I like the freedom of my controlling my time and again, the capability of um, letting people see what I love. Do you ever, so it sounds like it may be a challenge to let them go and say they're finished. Is, is that challenging? Sometimes it, it goes, it ebbs and flows. It depends on where I am in the editing process. Cause at some point I'm so sick of editing. I just <laughs> want them to be done, <laughs> but I'm a person who writes in cycles. So as I'm writing a new book, I'm also editing book two while I'm writing book four, while I'm formatting a book three. And so I, I always have different books in a different cycle. So that also helps me move on with the series because I want to share now book four, even though I'm trying to release book two. And so it kind of gives me the encouragement to like, okay, we need to get that out so I can finally get to this part. <laughs> right. And you can do different tasks. Like you aren't always writing or you're not always editing or 
those. So that's oh, yes. like it would be good breaks for each task. Yes, I, I realize I, I do need, I have a burnout. And so I can write, you know, in the mornings are the best time for me to write new material. And in the afternoons is, you know, the editing, the marketing, because when you're a self-published author, like, you know, you have to market and do your own PR. And there's a lot of other background stuff that goes along with it. And since I also am an artist, you know, that's my time that I have to carve out for painting as well. <laughs> but yeah, afternoons are filled with all that kind of fun stuff. Is that one of your paintings behind you? I wish, but I do like to do a large scale animal art or any animal art of all size, actually. But uh, because of that, I think that's why I was attracted to that little turtle in the background. But no, that is not mine. <laughs> Vibrant colors. And do you put any of your art in your books, like for your graphics? or your cover. I've realized that I'm not uh, good at creating people. So because of that, I do let other um, graphic artists, and I'm not good with, again, the technological aspect of graphic art. So I do have two great cover designers that I work with for different series, and I enjoy them because they're good and they know what's popular and trendy and what looks right formatted on a book cover and a little better than I am. But right. I do... I've considered kind of, do I, should I create mythological art? But right now I stick predominantly with um, pet portraiture and, you know, the animals you see and touch in reality. Nice. Yeah, I am not an artist at all and have no graphic ability. I can like, I'll draw out a little concept of I want what I want my cover to be. And my cover person is like, what is this? <laughs> label everything this is an angel <laughs> like I can't even read what you're talking <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I was like I again trying to figure out concept of uh cover book cover design is just is still very foreign to me even though I am an artist in other ways like I consider writing a form of art you know but oh, definitely yeah graphic art and book cover design is another level of something that I'm not comfortable doing. <laughs> this is the question I love to ask my authors. Hopefully it won't stump you too much. What do you want your readers to take away? What is What do you want them to experience or feel from your book? I mean, all each series is different. I love when readers get immersed um, in the story, fall in love with the world that I'm building and also obviously develop attachments for the characters. Now I am a person, especially with my uh, new adult and adult series that I will kill off a character or two throughout. So pre-warning there, <laughs> but I like when people form an attachment because that's I think what writers should aim for is if you can get someone emotionally involved with your story, good, bad, tears, laughter, whatever, anger, rage, whatever emotion, then I think you're a success. So. I kind of want them to be just emotionally immersed and just fall in love with the magic of fantasy. Definitely. I always get emotionally involved with my characters of my, my books, as well as the books that I'm reading, because I usually can't let them go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is very hard. That is very hard. And I'm a person that uh, my, sometimes my characters tell me essentially what their story is going to be and I had one when I found out he wasn't going to make it till the end I got emotionally very upset and I had to give myself a little bit of time because I was was nowhere near that point of the story but when I realized that was his end game I was crushed <laughs> oh yeah that's hard I had a 
person who was supposed to be a villain and but he was posing as a non-villain as a friend and in the end I just couldn't keep him a villain because he was too nice of a guy <laughs> so and then he got his own book somehow I was like how did that happen I don't hey, know hey there you go I like that the evolution of characters you may start them out but then they take the reins many a times I feel yes do you have authors that you love or inspire you well, that's an interesting question because I'm I'm one of those odd people that what I like to read and what I enjoy are the are the ancient epic poems and prose and the sagas. And so a lot of those don't have authors associated with them because they were told oral tradition for many years and evolved that way. But yeah, mo most of the books that I read for pleasure are those. Now, with that said, I obviously appreciate um, more modern authors, uh, especially those that like to incorporate old mythology and repurpose it in a new way for uh, current modern day readership. So, you know, Tolkien in his day did it, um, G.R.R. Martin has done it, and uh, even um, J.K. Rowling has done it, where taking all these old mythos and just reintroducing them to a readership that may not be familiar with that. And I, I like that when I read. Fine. This has been wonderful getting to know you and your books. Do you have any other things that you want to add for your listeners? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess for me, it's um, if you from if you like women forward books, that's kind of what I write. I like I get I like the high fantasy epic sweeping, as you kind of heard already. Um, I do have different age range because you know I think doesn't matter what age you are finding a book that you love, especially if you like fantasy, <laughs> is something that I really encourage. So, you know, I just, I enjoy that. And I hope people who do come and read my books will enjoy the, uh, like I said, the worlds I built, the characters I've written, and uh, let me know. <laughs> I like feedback. <laughs> we love feedback. We love hearing from our readers. Exactly. Well, Thank you so much, Catherine. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you, your website, and yeah. where your books oh. are? And for anybody. Oh, you have a cover. Awesome. <laughs> Going with the 12 tasks in Isra's Clause. Oh, I love those. Okay. But yes, you can find me. I have a website, and that is Catherine Y. Bell Books. And I'll spell that out because my name is a little strange. It's Catherine, K A T H A R I N E. Y Bell, which is spelled W I's in ink, B as in boy, E L L, books.com. And I am on Pinterest, Twitter, just recently got on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I mean, just recently got on TikTok as well and YouTube. I mean, I'm on a lot of platforms and you can find me under my name, Catherine E Y Bell or Catherine Y Bell pretty easily. But come and check out some of my stuff. And again, I would love to hear what you think. Great. I am going to one click as soon as we're done with this podcast. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finding the Magic podcast. I'm your host, author and podcaster, Trisha Copeland, and I love getting behind the scenes. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe and stop in each week, discover new authors and books. Thanks for listening. And until next time, Keep finding the magic.